Welcome to the Media Mavens Podcast. The Media Mavens Podcast is where you'll hear the latest and greatest trends, topics, and tribulations with industry leaders. And here is your host of the Media Mavens Podcast. She is the original Media Maven, Sarah Miller. Hi, this is Sarah Miller, CEO of Access Entertainment, and your host for Media Mavens Podcast. Here with my co-host, Joey Pyrich. What's up, Joey? My favorite sportscaster. Oh, I think we are going to do a lot better than you are today. <laughs> I mean, you've got a lot of things going on in your life. I'm just kind of cruising here on a Tuesday. You know what's awesome about this podcast? I could filter all the bullshit. Well, I, I could tell. I could <laughs> tell you hundreds of things that are good about this podcast, but you tell me. Okay, but okay. One of my good things right now is the timing is perfect. With people are coming back in sports, and we have a, the most badass female boxer on. But podcast, speaking of for a second, our fiftieth podcast is coming up in three weeks. So, what are you going to get me? <laughs> I was thinking, like, you know, a little golden mic or a little Ooh. pair of boxing gloves because I'm just oh. super excited. We're just chatting. I know Alicia's like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. I'm super excited. This. We got Alicia Doyle. She's a two-time golden glove champion. Alicia, you have a book coming out. Are you, and if, did I read this? You're the first woman fighter to win two golden glove champions a years ago? At the time, yes. And I'd have to double check that, that fact, but that is most likely true simply because when I was boxing, there were only a few hundred women in America doing it at the time. So uh, those two championship titles I did win. I was the first to win in those weight classes because they, they just didn't exist prior. I feel like we need an applause button, like, but it is a podcast. <laughs> like, I, just, I just think that is the most baddest thing because like my one of my favorite things is sports. It is one of Joe's yes. favorite things. I guess he's a sportscaster and he knows everything mm-hmm. about sports. Well, the 75% that I don't know are relying on Joe to fill in the blanks. But I am such an obsessive fan because I do box on weekends with my trainer and he used to be onto that whole thing. And he just, you know, from the industry, but like, yeah, you're a female boxer, which is the most badass thing ever. And I tell us, how did you decide to become a female boxer? Because I'm, I'm not just impressed with the talent because I've seen these guys in the ring, deck, Bob, weave knockouts and everything. But like, I'd be like, no, no. Not the face, not the face. That is my moneymaker. I don't know if I could get into a ring seriously and be freaked out that like, wait, I would just take a dot. Okay, this is my big joke to start this off. I would take the million dollars and take a hit in the first round to save my face, then fight it out and look like my face got crushed. In. But I know that's men's boxing. How did you get into women boxing? Why? And like, like, how is this lifestyle with a women's boxing? Yes. And that's the million dollar question. And I love talking about it. So yes, my book, Fighting Chance, it's all about my boxing career. My book is out, came out in February of 2020, right before the pandemic. Wait, is, that, is that available on Amazon or? Yes, it is. Okay, and it's, it's, I'm sorry, I know I'm skipping over the board. I'm just so excited when we sports That's people okay. on. It's called The Fighting Chance, and this is a true story, right? Yes, it's called Fighting Chance, and it's nonfiction, and it's based on a true story of my boxing career and my career as a journalist. I was a newspaper reporter, and that's how I discovered uh-huh. boxing. Hey, Joe, there's your 50th podcast anniversary present, because this is perfect sports and broadcasting for you. Yes. <laughs> but uh, let me ask you, Alicia, real quick. Yes. As a boxer, I mean, I, we'll go into your journalism background later. And I'm, I'm fascinated sure. by that and, and what you're doing afterwards, too. But 
did you like take notes? Did you know going into this, like, I've got to write something about this. I've got to show people what's going on behind the scenes. Actually, the way that I found boxing or the way that I should say boxing found me, I was alone in the newsroom one night working on a story and the phone rang and I answered it being the only one there. And it was a community activist wanting coverage for a boxing gym for at-risk youth that was destroyed by El Nino rain. So this was in the 1990s. The gym was completely destroyed. The minute this person said boxing on the phone, I, I turned off. I used to view boxing as the dark side. I had no understanding of how beautiful this sport was. But she, the caller on the phone was very persistent. She said, you're not understanding me. The story is about the youth, the at-risk youth that have nowhere to go. The gym was destroyed. It was the only place that, where they could go and get unconditional love, a clean and sober environment. They have nowhere to go. And these were kids with serious problems. One or both parents were incarcerated. Um, a lot of them were being abused. You know, they had some serious issues that they were dealing with. This boxing gym was the only place they could go that would accept them with open arms. So the gym was destroyed. When she said at-risk youth, that tugged at my heart a little bit. So I thought, okay, I'll go on this assignment. And I was very reluctant because, again, boxing, I'm thinking, well, you know, what is this? How can this sport help kids? I didn't get it. The minute I met the gentleman in charge of this gym, his name is Robert Ortiz. He's been running this gym. It's called Kid Gloves Boxing for three decades. The minute I met this man and saw the size of his heart, I thought, I, I got to dig in deeper. I got to find out more about this because this man, he was such, such a gentleman and he was so nice. One of the nicest people I'd ever met. So from that point on, I, I kept on going back to report on the gym. The, the gym was destroyed. They reopened. I reported on the gym for about a year. And during that time, I, was, I had the opportunity to interview all these children and their parents or their caregivers or their big brothers and sisters. And I got a glimpse to, to look inside their heart and soul and see how this sport changed them from the inside out and made them better people. So that was my introduction to boxing, but I had yet to actually box myself or get into the ring. So what, what made you decide like into the ring? And did you go through training? Was it years of training? Because boxing, I mean, it is a sport. It is a power sport, but a lot of it I'm finding out, you know, with my, with my trainer is a lot of it's footwork. It's a lot of it. I mean, cause you watch it and it, it, there's actually a talent to it because I know you have to keep your gloves up. I mean, there's so because oh. I drop my gloves a lot, and my trainer's always like, "No, no, keep them up because your protection, and like right. and everything." That's right. But did you like? Did you go through like a lot of training with a boxing coach or a trainer, or how did you get from where you're at to two-time Golden Glove champion? And, and that's a great question. And I need to point out that I didn't start boxing until I was 28 years old. And that's considered old for athletics. So I'm 28 years old. So actually what got me in to take a, an aerobic boxing class to hit a bag, and this is no contact boxing, what got me into that class was um, I had a really horrible breakup with a boyfriend who, who punched me in the face more than once. Needless to say, I am so sorry. I hope you knocked his ass out. <laughs> Needless to say, I was I was very angry about that. I was ashamed. I was confused. I was in love with this man. So I was really angry. So I showed up at Kid Gloves and all I wanted to do was hit that bag as hard as I could for an hour. That's all I cared about was I just wanted to hit something. I was so angry. I was angry at myself. I was angry at him. There's a lot of emotions that go along with being, you know, abused as a female. So all I know is after I took that class and I hit that bag for an hour, I felt better. That's all I knew was this one thing could make me feel better. And it's probably because that boxing workout was so dang difficult that I had nothing, no room in my head for anything else. But I was so filled with rage from that breakup, I kept going back. So before long, I was taking that aerobic boxing classes, two, three, three classes in a row, several days a week. 
that's how angry I was. At one point, that wasn't enough. I mean, hitting the bag is awesome, but I wanted to learn more skills. I wanted to learn the shadow boxing. I wanted to learn the jab, the right hook, the left hook. I wanted to learn all those things. So I just started um, watching the fighters. We have champions in our gym all the time. I'm watching them with their coaches and their trainers and just listening. And then I go off to on my own and I do it on, by myself in the corner. And I just started doing that on my own. And I just fell in love with it. And before I knew it, you know, we had other coaches from other gyms coming in all the time. The boxing world is very small. So before long, the coaches started to notice me being a female in the gym doing this workout. And also because I worked really bloody hard. So one day I was approached by a gentleman named Stan Ward. He's a big coach in the boxing world. Um, he's, he's since passed away, but he approached me and, and asked me if I'd ever thought about competing. And I hadn't really thought about it, but when he planted that seed in my brain, I thought, why not? And he's, he was, that's when he told me that women's boxing was becoming bigger than it ever had been before. Back then, when I was competing, women were not allowed to box in the Olympics. Okay? That was made possible in 2012, which wasn't that long ago. So I believe my involvement and all the amazing female warriors that were boxing at the time when I was in the 1990s, that we paved the way for girls to be able to box in the Olympics today. But that's how I got started. Was I, yes, I trained with Stan Ward. Um, I actually left gyms to train at other gyms. That's where I started sparring with men and boys. And it was intense. So I did have a coach. He was my trainer the entire time. But that's, I still had not stepped into the, ring, into the ring for battle. And that was the next test to see if I could continue moving forward in the sport. Okay, and I want to talk about the two Golden Gloves champion titles, who they're with, where, and how you felt coming out, mm -hmm. out of that. But you were also deemed California Female Fight of the Year. Was that... That, like, you know, like Ronda yes. Rossi. I mean, Ronda Rossi's not boxing. She's more, she's martial art. MMA. Yeah. And, and a lot of the MMA yeah. and a lot of these cage fighters came from the boxing world. That's how they were born. But was this just like, like, like a big news thing? Because you fought somebody really big. Because I know yeah. they only, I mean, this is like female fight of the year. Was it because of the person? Was it just because being a female? Or I mean, how did these titles come about? Oh, that's a great question. So with both Golden Gloves uh, championship titles, those were very difficult fights. The first one was against Shannon Ortiz. I won by technical knockout in round two. That was a rough fight. Um, my second Golden Gloves was... Wait, wait, wait I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop you here. Wait, you, you won on a technical background in round two. Ah, no. Technical knockout. It's called a TKO, a technical oh, knockout. Yeah. So I won by technical knockout in round two, which means I technically knocked her out. She she couldn't go on anymore. In round two, that's so early. Yes, it was a three-round fight. And I tell you, those rounds feel like an eternity. So I was really Wait, glad when I that fight was over. nine-round yeah. fights. For, but for but men, men are, they're just different for men, right? Men fight three-minute rounds. Women fight two-minute rounds. That has changed. That is in the process of changing. But Ooh. yeah. Back when I was competing, we fought two minutes. How many rounds? Round, you go for nine rounds? I know. Uh, for match? amateurs, we did three rounds. And then my pro fight, the one that won California Female Fight of the Year, that was a four round fight. And that went the distance. Wow. So three minute round, two minute rounds for four rounds. For my pro fight, yes. It just doesn't sound like a lot, but I know when I'm doing it, I'm like, oh my God, I'm exhausted. Like I was only 20 seconds. Like, are yeah. you kidding for like 20 minutes? Yeah. And imagine if you're in a battle, you're in a war, and it's a hundred, you know, it's, what, 120 seconds? Those 120 seconds feel like an eternity because you're surviving. And, you know, and boxing is very dangerous. That's why a lot mm -hmm. of people don't do it, men or women. People die in the ring. It doesn't happen all the time, but it happens. It even happens in amateurs. It didn't happen too long ago. You get socked the wrong way or hit in the right spot, you could, you could die. 
So, you know, it's, it's, it's incredibly dangerous. Alisa, with the boxing, I, a lot of people think it is physical. It is, you know, oh, trying to overpower your opponent. But a lot of it is just getting over yourself to get into that ring and to take that first hit. Yes. And I, I imagine that is like a wall that must be climbed. I love that you you get that. Yes, because a lot of people get hot to box. I mean, you, you're doing it and you want to compete and you see the guy sparring, you see fights and it's very exciting. But the real test is getting in there and, and you've got to be able to take a punch. Yes, it mm-hmm. is. Of course, it's physical. My coach, uh, Stan Ward, would always tell me boxing is, is 90% mental, only 10% physical. Mm-hmm. If you don't have the strength up here, you're not going to have the strength in the square. My real test to see if I could even compete in amateurs or professional was an exhibition match. My coach needed to know, it, you know, he's training me and training me, but if, I, if I'm not going to fight, then he's wasting his time, right? So he wanted to see if I could get in there. So I had an exhibition match. It was at a Boys and Girls Club. It was, I was fighting a teenager because I was 28 years old. So all my opponents were younger than me. Her name is Layla McCarter. She's one of my favorite people in the world. She still boxes today. She's like an eight-time world champion now. But, but back then, so an exhibition match for listeners that don't know what that is, it's supposed to be a show, an exhibition. Um, in other words, it's not supposed to count. It doesn't, you don't get, it doesn't get scored. It doesn't go on your boxing book. Okay. But I tell you, this was a real fight. This was a war. And I got a standing eight count in round one. And for listeners that don't know what a standing eight count is, the ref, when you get a standing eight, it's because you're in, in danger of being knocked out. I was in danger of being knocked out. The ref stopped the fight. He did the eight count. And then he asked me if I could continue. I continued because my pride wouldn't let me quit. I didn't want to keep going. I was terrified. I wanted to run out of that ring and go home and cry. But I stayed in there. I fought the three rounds. I don't know how. I thought she busted up my face pretty bad. But when I was done, I went to the bathroom and there was no blood. I was never really a bleeder. Yeah, I lucked out. And then um, the most interesting part of that, though, was I thought that, you know, there's guys from my gym there. There's guys from rival gyms there, you know, watching me compete with the only girls on the card. And I thought when I got out of that ring, they were going to give me a lot of heat for getting the standing eight. And they didn't because I survived that war. They embraced me and I became one of them. That's when I became one of them. So, so the judges watch these rounds and when you're getting kind of like beaten down where it becomes a concern, some of the concussions and a lot of damage that you could take, you know, when you just cannot keep your gloves up, defend yourself, they step in and they kind of break it up and count. They count to make sure you could breathe and you're coherent and you're okay to move forward. That's what that is, right? Exactly. Yeah. So I was, you know, I was, she was just peppering me with everything. I don't even know what was going on. And then the next thing I know, the, the referee stopped the fight. He sent her back to her corner. And then he had it. He did. He counted down the eight in front, in front of my face. And then he asked me, are you okay? That, that's standard, though, for men and women's boxing. That's just to keep boxers safe, right? It's uh, The standing aid is to protect the fighters. Is that the question? Well, when we're talking prior to this, you know, Roy Elbrick at the Fight Club used to be Golden Boy. I've been to so many fights down at the hangars here in L.A. with him. And I literally saw a guy, and it was a pretty badass fight. He I was like in round five. I made a comment. Next thing I know, the guy knocked him. I was like, boom, like slow motion in a cartoon. He goes backwards, like flats on his back, feet up in air, feet down, head back, head down, like out cold. Like just called oh. it out cold. It was an intense knockout. And I'm thinking, dang, that guy's going to have a headache for a few days after this. The rest, I never seen him stop it. 
and count down. I've never seen that. That's why I wasn't sure. And then I saw the guy on one of the next flights. There was like maybe like eight or nine like fights on the card. And he just walked around so dazed and confused. I feel like I should have given him an ice pack, but he was just smoking a cigarette and laughing. I'm like, how is that even standing? Because this was like, and I wow. have it on my phone still, the video and photos of all this. It was like, cla- I mean, it was just a classic knockout. But like, I, it's weird because I, I mean, I'm, it's not, you know, obviously I'm not in Vegas with the big guys, but like, you know, the fight clubs and all, I call them like the JV level as they're getting there. Um, belts up. I've never seen the refs come in and literally stop and make sure stuff. But I'm assuming that has been an intense fight in order for ref to stop in midway through. I don't see it happening a whole lot in pro fights. If you're referring to pro matches, that might be why um, they they're a little bit more lenient in the pro fight, where I don't see standing eight counts as often. I think amateurs, you know, they you know amateurs are sanctioned by USA Boxing. Of course, they want to protect the fighters. You know, we wear the safety headgear and the gloves The gloves are bigger, of course, for amateurs. But once you get into a pro fight, there's no headgear. And those those gloves are eight ounces. So it's like you're being punched in the face with, with a bare fist. But that's the pro. I mean, that's these guys. I mean, it's these guys that have spent years and years becoming the most top pro boxers. I mean, they, it's just a protocol. They know the protocol. They know. I mean, they're how do I say this? They're not just out there in a game where as assholes, they know the right and wrong way to be in a pro match. Is that, I mean, isn't there a, kind of that guidelines of you just know being a professional athlete? Does that apply to boxing as well? Well, it seems like I, I do know boxers that go, that don't even do amateurs. They go straight to pro because their coaches, because you can get, you can still get damaged in amateurs. You can get, you know, all sorts of injuries. And let's say you've had a hundred amateur fights and that's not unusual. You might be like pretty spent by the time you turn pro. In fact, Robert Ortiz, the, the owner of the gym I was just talking about, his grandson, they, they didn't put him in amateurs. He was such, He's such a great boxer. He went straight to pro in his first fight. He knocked the guy out. So, you know, there's some fighters that are so skilled that they might go straight to pro. And I understand the logic behind it. You know, they don't want somebody to go in there. Let's say you start boxing at 12 and you've had 100 amateur fights. Your brain is going to be mushed by the time you turn pro. So I, I think that's a case-by-case basis. You know, I had um, 10 amateur fights before I turned pro. And uh, they were good practice. But I tell you, there was nothing. Fighting amateur and fighting pros like night and day, they are so different. And there was absolutely nothing and no way that my trainers and coaches or sparring partners could have prepared me for the war I faced in my pro fight. And the pro fights were, so how many pro fights did you have? I had one. And that was the California Female Fight of the Year? Yes, I had one pro fight. It was named the California Female Fight of the Year. Now, what was that, Kato? Why that title? Was it just like the, like a really good fight where you? It was an epic battle. It was an incredible battle. My my opponent, this amazing warrior, her name is Lisa Valencia. Oh yeah, we went the distance, and I mean, it was gnarly from the start. I think I busted her lip. I was known for for breaking those noses. I, that, my my ring name is Disaster Diva because there was a lot of blood in my fights. I think I busted her lip pretty early on, and, and it bleeds a lot. Face bleeds a lot. So right away, there was there was just nonstop action, you know. And with pro fights, there it it just never stops. We we never stop throwing. So it was very exciting, you know. There's blood flying, you know. It's you know big crowd. Rounds one and two uh, were hard. Round three, I thought I got her. I thought I got her in round three, and I. I, I really thought I was going to win that fight. And I don't know how this girl did it. But she pulled her heart out in round four. She was bleeding and tired. And she took me in round four. 
you know, so she won the fight by points. I didn't get knocked out. I think I lost by two points. But in the end, nobody cared, nobody cared who won or lost. Alicia, I know if you get I know if you get knocked out, you get knocked out. Right. But if you don't get knocked out, the other one's messed up and you're still standing and ready to go again. Is it just like techniques on like movements that they win these fights, even though they went and had knockouts or how do they critique boxing? A boxing is squared. It's on a point system. So if you're at a pro fight, you'll see judges. There's one on each side and they have these counters. They're like points and they're watching the punches and it's very meticulous. So anytime you get somebody in the face or the chest, the stomach, that's a point, 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 point. And the reason why they have several judges doing it is just so they can, you know, get as close as possible to being accurate because how do you, you know, it's hard to score. It's a very difficult thing. So yeah, normally they're scored. If you see a winner and a loser, you know, people that are not familiar with boxing, and I, I was this way before I didn't understand the scoring system. When, when a fighter would lose, I would assume that fighter got knocked out if I was asked kid. That's not true. Two fighters could fight. You could lose by one point. It doesn't mean you got your ass kicked. It just means that you lost five points. With Lisa Valencia, with my pro fight, I, I think the judges gave her the win because of what she did in round four. There's this thing called ring showmanship. And the close, the fight was really, really close. But because she came out in round four and she was tired and bleeding, and she, she just prevailed in that round. And I think that's why they gave her the win. She deserved it. She deserved that win. But I tell you, after that fight was over, nobody cared whose hand was raised at the end as a winner or the loser. We got a standing ovation for that fight. And when we got out of that ring, everybody surrounded us and congratulated us. And it was, it was amazing. And they said I embraced. And she's still in my life today. And she's in my book. Every fight I went through, I remember every fight like it was yesterday. Every single one of them was in my book. Because I, I want to Was that fight a 10-point uh, must? I mean, a lot of people don't know what the 10-point must is. But basically... Every round, basically, the winner gets 10 points and the loser or not loser, but the, the one who scores less in the round could go from anywhere from nine to seven points per round. Oh, that's interesting. I, I don't know. I don't think so. But maybe in, in men's boxing. So wait, so it, so based on where you're at, if you win, you get so many points, Joe. If you don't, you get so many points. And then based on where you're at, that kind of evens out who whiskers but wait why would they yeah. do points was that only to get it the purses at the end of the fight it's a 10 point must and how i understand it is that it is basically to ensure that there are less draws in the oh. uh, fight itself and you know you could have i mean when it comes down to it a fighter could have a great rounds one through five and have 50 points and you know his opponent is down to 45 points but you know that that guy who's down comes out there and wins the next five rounds you basically have yourself a tie the only way that thing is going to be broken because if you get knocked down you're definitely going to get about eight to seven points in that uh, round. But, uh, you know, it's a 10-point must, as they call it. And it's a very, I, I think it's a very good way of scoring a fight. That makes sense. I know people are frustrated with draws. Yeah. I know that. Uh, yeah, none of my fights were draws. <laughs> Either one or I lost. But is the Rocky fight, I mean, I to me, I, I love the Rocky movies, but I understand deeply that is not indicative of what pro boxing really is. Yeah, it was very exciting. Of course, every, I love the Rocky films as well, the message behind them. They're, I think there's there's a level of spirituality in those films as well. Are you still boxing, Alicia, or when was the last time you accepted into a ring? I retired in 2000 after my pro fight. I got hurt in that fight. Really? 
What would you happen? Yeah, but I still, she got me with a left hook that I refused Ooh. to duck. Because in that moment, I had, my pride was so big. I, at one point, I dropped my hands deliberately. I was, <laughs> <laughs> because, and I was saying to her, hit me again. You can't hurt me. Oh, that's a Rocky move hurt. right there, lady. That's a Rocky move. Uh, so, <laughs> But I'm I I'm still paying for it today. <laughs> but I don't regret it. I certainly don't regret it. Every time I feel a little tinge going on in that right ear, I just remind myself of, of what I survived. Mm-hmm. And it's just that's crazy. So let's talk about like the book. So you got such a tremendous history. Is the book about your rise to fame as a, a female boxer and the changes in the industry that you've seen that you've kind of led the way on? Or was the book, I mean, I'm I'm excited to read the book, but give us a little bit about what this book's about and why you wrote it. Yeah, so the book is about boxing, but it's it's more about my own journey through the sport and how it changed me from the inside out. And and I I am very vulnerable in that book. And it it took 20 years to write it. And the reason why it took two decades to write was because I did not want to reveal a lot of truths about myself to other people. These are things that nobody knew that happened to me, traumas and, and things that I survived. Those are the things and 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 what drove me to get into the ring and to compete. And I believe that's why I had such a successful boxing career. So so yes, the book is a, certainly about boxing and, and a woman in boxing, but it's it goes so much deeper than that. You know, it's about just this fight. You know, this fight. We're we're constantly fighting for our lives. We've been fighting since the day we were born. And it's like how do we how do we face that fight head on? You know, how do we get through these challenges? And, and, you know, the truth that the only way out is through, you know, and to face the demons head on, you know, what boxing did for me, and and I I articulate this in the book, it it raised every single insecurity or fear or pain I've ever had in my whole life. The sport of boxing brought out to me, it brought it all to the surface. And that was really something I didn't want to face or certainly not discuss, but it did that for me. And shortly after I retired, I was approached by Hollywood, Paramount Studios. They wanted to make a film about me because back then I was one of only a few hundred women in America competing. I was the only boxer that was a journalist in the world at the time that did it. So they wanted to make a film. And I'll never forget this meeting at Paramount. They said, you know, I mean, how exciting is that? I'm invited by Hollywood. They're wanting and dining me and they want to do this thing. And they said, you know, but nothing had been written yet. So they wanted to do this film, but nothing had been written. And they asked me if I wanted to, to write it. And I remember I said, no, I was sitting there at that Hollywood studio. And I said, no, I basically said no to this incredible opportunity. And the reason why was because I knew, I knew if I say yes, I'd have to reveal the truth about myself. And I didn't want anybody to know these things. So years passed and um, it, it never went away. You know, people were constantly talking about my boxing career. They wanted to question me about it. And I don't know what, what happened during that time, but I thought I have to be vulnerable. This book can help people. It can certainly help women, but it can help anybody who's struggling on any level. And, and, and that's when it became bigger than myself. But it also required me being brutally honest with my readers because readers know I'm relied on. And I had to be completely vulnerable. And I had to understand that vulnerability is the one thing we all share. And that's why I, I decided to do it. But, but it was incredibly difficult. One of the most difficult things I've ever done. Is, so, you know, there's that movie with Hillary Swank, Million Dollar Baby. Where you know it, the, she was, it was the only female boxing movie I think that's out there. At least that I know. Muhammad Ali's daughter, mm-hmm. I think that Layla did. I think Layla. No, I think Layla did documentaries. I think she did an actual movie. She was always involved in his. But Hilary Swank did Million Dollar Baby. It's only real female boxing. It was intense fighting 
and running from demons Layla. and everything. And it was a pretty intense movie. You just like, so, you know, and I understand your book was at like, like cathartic, emotional. You got it out. You said your story. You could breathe now. But because the theaters always wanted a movie, there hasn't been any female boxing movies. I don't include that one with Demi Moore because everything Demi Moore is in super awesome, but kind of foo-foo, except for G.I. Jane. She was a badass there. But there's not a lot of badass female leads in these kinds of stories. And given everything the past few years of changes and more females getting to the box offices, would you consider, or is it something that you would now that the book's out and the story's told, consider letting them do a movie on this? Absolutely. I would I would absolutely love that. And um, something that happened two months after my book came out last year was I was approached by Slavika Bokanov of Empowering Entertainment. We just serendipitously connected. I signed a deal with her. So um, what's, what's fantastic about that, and right now we're seeking investors. We're still seeking investors for this project. You know, she's looking at a number of directors, which of course she wants the best. But uh, 5% of the proceeds from that film are going to go toward a nonprofit that serves uh, abused women or children. Nice. Interesting. Who would you want to see play you? Oh, gosh. Well, I'm, I'm, Amer- I'm, I'm Asian. I'm half Asian. So it'd be nice to have somebody that's, you know, Asian. But I, I like Michelle Rodriguez because she's so intense. And, and I have a tendency to be pretty intense. But oh, she's yeah. Hispanic. All right. You know who the one the most like badass actresses I've seen who just beats herself up and goes through hell. And I got to say is Angelina Jolie's some of her roles. I love her. And her stunt, man, she takes a beat down. Like I current Tom Cruise or this, you know, they're two of the ones that want to do their own stunts. Angelina Jolie, uh, Michelle Rodriguez would be good, but Angelina Jolie would probably be one who I would see just the training, getting shredded, just taking it. I mean, she would be at such an, she has such an intensity about her. And every role she takes. Oh, she's amazing. And I love the Tomb Raider. I love her as Laura Croft. Like, she's such a badass in those. Yeah, she's great. Oh, but, and then um, J-Law. Jennifer Lawrence would be uh, another good mm. No? <laughs> I'm thinking the trilogy she did. Oh, the Hunger Games. Hunger Games. Hunger Games? They'd have to yeah. make her eyes Asian or something. They'd have... <laughs> Alicia, you have a, or uh, our writing currently a, a book about the uh, youth boxing uh, kid gloves oh, oh gosh that i was working on and I, I still have an idea for a children's book called kid gloves because you know kid gloves is where i got my start and yeah so that's right. still in my head right now i'm actually working on another non-fiction book before i dive into the children's book about kid gloves and my non-fiction book is probably oh it's scheduled to come out as well oh congratulations on that also, so the fighting chance is the one that you want best in LA uh, biographical for this year, correct? Yes, fighting chance has won three literary awards since it came out, which I'm I'm very humbled by. Congratulations, that's amazing. Yeah, and then you're a journalist though too, so you know how to tell the narrative of your story, which I think is tremendous. A lot of people don't, they don't know how to articulate and have that emotional pull in their narrative. So, I mean, I do think a lot. I mean, obviously winning these awards was there was claimed autobiography books based on the history or because you're a journalist and how you are uh, your writing skills and how you translated it on paper. Do you think that something to do with it? Certainly the journalism background and the writing background helps, of course, Just, you know, the reporting, the straight reporting, <laughs> but I mean, I've run, written hundreds of thousands of stories. I've been a journalist for a long time. So, you know, but it's a completely different thing to write about myself. It was difficult. I mean, I had no problem writing about anybody else and covering hard topics and that sort of thing. But when it came to myself, it's like, 
but it definitely helped with the organization. That was something I was praised for in one of the awards I won that it was, you know, highly recommended for its organization, you know, and just straightforwardness that there's nothing flowery in it. There's nothing superfluous. You know, everything is very straightforward. There's no gratuitous violence. I just state like what happened. But people really enjoy it. And and something that um, I, something that I did not expect to occur, because I did go into my experience with domestic violence, because that's what got me into the gym and to, to eat the bag that first time. These women just that read the book would email me, these strangers, or even women I knew who had been through similar domestic violence situations, and they're not victims, they're survivors. They're survivors. So just having them reach out to me and share their story just made me feel very connected to these women. And, you know, other people have reached out to me. Young people, young people really like the book, which um, I'm very happy about. So we got some, you know, teenagers, people in their early 20s, you know, who just, one kid, he's 22 years old, he said it's the best book he's ever read. And that meant the world Interesting. So I'm glad it's resonating to young people. There's some, a lot of life lessons in that book. That book is timeless, but I think Chance is timeless. It's the kind of thing that the, the lessons and the wisdom contained are, will last forever. You are also, going back to being a journalist, but your focus is on good news stories. Is that a hard transition yes. going from being a journalist into the boxing world? And now you're coming out and telling good news stories. Is, there, is it hard to find people who will run those? Oh, gosh, actually not. I really lucked out because I went uh, freelance. I, I was working for the biggest metropolitan newspapers in Southern California. I worked for almost all of them. And then I just, and, and, and I loved it. It was amazing. But I covered hard stuff. You know, I covered crime. You know, I was the reporter that would knock on the door after a woman's husband who was a cop was killed in the line of duty. You know, I've had doors shut in my face. I mean, you know, I, I understood that going in that not everybody is going to like a journalist. And in fact, most people don't. So there were, there were a lot of times when I'd write stories or cover stories that would, you know, break my heart. And I knew when I wrote them down on paper, they were going to break the reader's heart too. And so when I went freelance in 2000, that's one thing I decided was that I, and one reason, and, and one of several reasons why I went freelance is because I didn't want to cover negative news anymore. I didn't want to use my gift for writing to put, bad energy into the world. I just didn't feel like that was my purpose. And I took a big leap going freelance because that's why I decided I'm the writer specializing in good news. That meant nothing controversial. Everything, only positive efforts. Only that when you read it, that it would make you feel good. And, and that actually worked out really well because there's more good news in the world than there is bad news. So those stories were easy to find. I was never the lack for them. Hey, about the news and, you know, just, and this is the thing that I always have to like explain to our clients, you know, because being a PR firm, everybody's like, oh, well, you should understand this and that, you know, is what you do. All press is good press. And I'm like, it's not because there's so much news out there. And the inspiration motivation is telling the good stories of survival. But the media sensationalizes and just twists and turns so much news around because that's how they're getting their ratings. I mean, I'm not justifying and saying some of these bad things that have happened deserved anything less than more than what was reported. There were horrible incidences in the news that we've seen on a global basis of terrorism and stuff. But you just, I, there was a lot of reporters that we've worked with that we know in conversations, the IPOs or conflict with their own clients in the past on hostile takeovers. We know what they're reporting is it create drama, sensationalism. We know it's not really reporting the good out of, I mean, I, and I, you're, I mean, I know broadcasters and journalism journalists a lot from being in PR as long as I have been, but there's not a lot of really true, as Joe was saying, good ones who want to 
relay good news. There's a lot of these ghost chasers out there that we've been running into to try to post anything on COVID or who's died and spinning stuff up just to get readers and to get more stories to get paid for. And I just think it's really given the journalism industry a bad mark in press and media. That's just like my personal opinion because I see so much bullshit. I have a client who's just been New York Times just torn down and 50% maybe what the client said was facts, but the reporter just did a number on some of our clients. And it's like, well, we're not there. It's just, but there's just, just, you know, these reporters are looking, it's like they're bloodletting to get their editors to give them more stories. We don't see enough good stuff being reported out there. Yeah, I, I, I was not a, um, a television journalist, so I, I don't, I wouldn't know that side. I mean, print journalists are, are different. I mean, it was just different kind of reporting. But I mean, everything I did was very straightforward. Like if there was a horrible crime or a shooting, I'd have to cover those or, you know, I mean, I would just report the facts, but it was still horrible news. And, and my whole thing was like, look, there's a lot of reporters out there that like doing that sort of thing. Hey, that's fine. Let them do it. There's a lot of them that want to do it. Let them do it. I'll, I'll focus on the good stuff. But, you know, there was a very specific. But there's so much good stuff. The that's the thing. There's so much good stuff and we don't hear enough good stuff. Yeah. And there was a specific incident that made me also pivot to only wanting to write good news. And that, there's a chapter about that in my book as well. There's something that occurred. I saw myself and what I was doing and I had to stop. Okay. I'm so excited to get the book now. So I know, I mean, I, I used to follow Ronda Rossi a lot. I know it's MMA. And then I know when Ray Albright kind of decided to do, you know, five cards of boxing, three or four of MMA. Now he's kind of been the hybrid down the hangers. There's cage fighting, UFC, MMA. There's all these different branches of being in the ring. Like which, like why boxing over some of the other ones? And like, which one is your favorite one to watch as a spectator? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, my favorite sport to watch is boxing, classical boxing. And I chose boxing because for the artistry of it, you know, the sweet science, it's considered the gentleman's sport, which is actually true. Because I tell you, some of the nicest men I've ever met in my life, all gentlemen, were men that I met in the boxing world. You know, I mean, people like I had the same preconceived notion about them that, that a lot of people do. Um, that's why I didn't want to report on the story initially, because I'm like thinking boxing, you know, what are these guys, womanizers, are they jerks? Like I, I had assumptions and I couldn't have been more wrong. You know, the, these are some of the, the, the greatest gentlemen I've ever met. So I've always loved boxing and that might come from my father. My father was a boxing fan. He boxed when he was in the Navy, you know, so it might have come from that. But I just um, I just love the artistry of it. I mean, it's just it's so incredible. And, and you can never you never stop learning. It always evolves. You know, I'm, I'm still involved in boxing in that I'm a, I'm a coach for children and adults. And, you know, there's always stuff to learn. I'm always surprised that even though, like, I'm, you know, 20 years later after I had my pro fight on my amateur matches, that I'm still learning that there's new skills, you know, out there and new ways and new strategies. So for me, it's, it's still very, very exciting. But the way I am coaching now, it's a no contact box. Okay, I just can't get my head around this whole cage fighting thing in rings and stuff. I mean, it's just like, okay, Joe, you're a guy. Maybe you could talk gladiatorial it's what it's gladiatorial that's all it is and, and i've always been i mean i have a hard time watching it because i know that sooner or later somebody's going to die from what's going on in there it, it it's brutal it's really brutal they don't 
There was like no, it's like, it's like the hunger games. You throw them in a cage, fight till you're dead. It is, there was no sport to that. And then what about those crazy ones? Not MMA, because I know it's not martial arts. The world wrestling where the crazy guys, they stand on top of a ring and they fly up in the air, do what's and boom, they squish the person on the mat. That's acting. They have that is really yeah. acting. That is acting. Yeah, it is. That's, it's scripted. I mean, yeah. they're still falling and using their bodies to do all those things. Right. But I mean, it's all planned out ahead of time. But that's really popular. It's amazing how many people love that stuff. People love yeah. And I mean, we have people who bet on yes. it. And that's like, how do you bet on something that is scripted? That blows my mind. It's not real. I know. And there's a lot of drama. They do a great job of creating all this drama in the ring. I mean, like, yeah, it's, it's highly entertaining. I can see why people like now, it. I'm going to make a confession here. My dad used to take me to go see boxing when I was very young. And I can tell you right now, I still have a hard time watching ladies box and, and ladies fight in the ring. And it's, it's, I, I hope I don't, don't come off as sexist, but it's like something I don't, I just don't like seeing. I don't like to watch, you know, I, I guys fights fine. Female fights. I mean, just to me, it, it, there's something that, that stings me when I see that. And I, and, you know, even though there, there are some great ones out there and I'm not going to say, all we need to see is the card girl walking out with the fourth round thing. And I really am not saying that, but it's just, it is unnerving to me. It's a brutal fight. I mean, I, I agree and I don't agree. I agree because I do. I can't I have a hard time watching the guys fight and get all bloody and stuff. I and mean, you see bar fights, people gather around. Why do you want to watch that? And But I think I'm obsessed with the boxing for females. Just because it's it it is exercise, it is power, it's strength, it's movement. I what was my favorite? Well, uh, Muhammad Ali, fly like a butterfly, sting like a bee. And for women to be able to move and pivot, it is a great form of self defense. I think in some way to know how to protect yourself. But and I do think there's a finesse to it, Joe, as a sport because like it's like you got the footwork, you got to keep your hands up, you got to bob. It yeah. does. I, the overall coordination of it is a talented. sport. Thing, but I, I, I have a hard time. Sometimes I'm like this. If some guy, if I, you know, I, I don't want to look at this guy get his nose busted up because I don't like blood in general. So I think I, I don't know. I just, I guess, like you said, Alicia, you and I, or Joe said this in the beginning. You got to be able to take a hit to walk into the ring, and like that to me is where I be. I'm out. I, I tap out. Just I would just be there to look in the cute little slip boxer shorts and the outfit, but then I tap out. Like it's just not for me. So I do have mad respect for any athlete, but females and athletics and sports to me is such a yeah. It's absolutely understandable, Joe, that you know it's it makes you uncomfortable. It makes a lot of people uncomfortable to see women fighting. That's absolutely understandable. I think that's it's societal, you know. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. My mother certainly never wanted me to box. My mother never went to any of my fights. Neither did my brother. And that's all in the book, too. My mother is the one that always told me boxing was the dark side. People that don't understand boxing on a spiritual level, it, it, it's a hard thing to explain, too. I try to articulate that in the book as much as I can. Because this translation of this physicality and being the best you can physically, it makes you, it, it translates to everyday life. You know, you, you have a great sparring session or you have a great training session or you win a war. I tell you, everything else in life is going to seem easy and it, and it is. 
Do you survive a war in the ring? Life is easy. It's mental strength. I think that's what it is. It's like, and I don't know if this is a really good comparison. Joe will tell me if it's a bad comparison. But I kind of feel like, Joe, I think where you're coming from, and I do get it, the mental toughness and strength of standing on your own, knowing your value and worth, kind of reminds me of the same mental strength and character in the same vein as when we talked with Eric last week, women Navy SEALs, women in the military. It's it's take the physical aside. It's the mental strength that no, no matter how good or bad, you will get through it. I don't know if that's a good way to the simile between the both. No, no, I will disagree with you there. And, and it, it's it's not the fact that yeah, I, I understand that women have a more more even tone than guys do because guys. I mean, when you talk about emotional guys really get emotional about things, especially when, when the chips are on the table and women will keep their cool for the most part. And just my thing is watching women hit each other. Again, it's, it's a societal thing. As Alicia said, it's, it's something that I never gotten used to. I don't, you know, I don't, it, it, yes, it's boxing. Yes. And I know you guys probably teach the sweet science to a lot of guys. But for me, it's just watching them in the ring and watching them in the octagon. Forget it. I just, I, I have a hard time swallowing that. I hear you. And, and I appreciate that you're being honest about that. And that's how a lot of, a lot of people feel. Men and women, you know, they don't like to watch, you know. It's like the MMA. Wait, Joe, can you watch like boxing, MMA? I will the guy watch stuff? it very that- briefly, but honestly, I, I don't like it. It is way too brutal for me. Hey, MMA freaks me out because these guys are not, you're not rubber bands. You just, I'm always like, he's going to snap his foot off or he's going to, you don't, people don't bend like that human, like as humans, we don't do that. It is a little unnerving. I do agree. Some of the styles of fighting in the ring, the octagon stuff, that's just like, I have a bad, bad movie. Like, I don't know how anybody. It's gnarly. I, I love MMA. I love any live sporting event involving, you know, competition, combat. I do. But I have a hard time watching MMA, whether it's men or women. I, I love watching it, but it's it's harder for me because of just, yeah, you snap somebody's arm. I mean, and they, they got the skills. They know how to do these things. I mean, that's just crazy. But do they not have the rules? I mean, boxing has boxing. Boxing, I mean, you, you have boxing rules, like NBA, football. You have specific sportsmanship, certain rules. Some octagon, of these, yeah. like MMA and the, what, what was it, Joe? The octagon, I don't, whatever. Do they not have association rules is just like a free-for-all i'm going to go out on a limb here and say that there there are limited rules on what you can and cannot do but as for i mean it's almost everything goes in this i mean you could drop kick somebody if you wanted to it's just yeah again i i had a friend when i was working in another place who did it he went to a, a mma gym worked out his first fight, he was done in 20 seconds. He had never been hit like that before in his life. And he never wanted to go back again. I understand that. I absolutely understand that. Okay, so I'm going to stay on the peripheral and the um, superficial level of boxing just because it gets my aggressions out. And it's cute with my little braids and my shiny, shiny, black, shiny boxing clubs as for exercises as far as I go. But okay, <laughs> and we're going to be running out of time here, Alicia. And I'm so excited you're on. Okay, I'm just going to ask this. Yes. Okay, I know. Keep your gloves up. Is it footwork? 
two or three good tips of how to throw a punch or what to do in any situation. Can you give us one or two boxing tips here before we... Oh my gosh. There's so many. There's like endless. <laughs> hey, I, I always tell all the kids and the adults, and this translates to, to life. You always keep your hands up. You got to protect yourself at all times. And and when you punch, step into your punch. Yes. And use your body. It's You use your body, not your arm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, see, we see there's some good boxing tips on this podcast that's been to your punch good to know oh my god alicia was so excited having you on your book is out which is congratulations on yes. the awards and everything the book fighting chance can be found on amazon yes. and everything and where can do you have a website where can anybody else you're based in la right i'm in ventura california okay so you're out in, you're in socal where can people find if they have questions or want to take a boxing class, need a coach, or where's a good place to reach out to you? Oh, thank you, Sarah. Yes. So I'm, I'm easy to find online, aliciadoyle.com. Perfect. 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 It was so good having Alicia. I'm so glad you came on. You're so great, Sarah. I love your energy. It was so good having you. It was such an exciting podcast. Joey, thank you so much. Happy to have it. It was good. I always need your Joe. You're great. Thank you Thank so you, much. Alicia. Joe's a good co-host, but also Joe has the broadcast journalism and the sports background. So I have to, I have to rely on Joe to explain half the dumb things that some of the other people don't tell me. But I'm super glad you guys came on today. <laughs> we'll see everybody next week. This is Sarah Miller, Media Mavis Podcast. See you guys soon. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Media Mavens Podcast. If you don't want to miss an episode or download past episodes, subscribe to the Media Mavens podcast on your favorite podcast provider to learn more about the podcast or our guests. Log on to www.mediamavenspodcast.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.